Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all of thine heart, and lean not unto thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Hey everyone, I'm Yadda. And it's me, Maddox. I just want to say that I really love and miss you guys, and I'm excited to see you all again whenever that may be. I love the online services because I'm able to worship with people that I know and I love. Yes, I! <laughs> Hi, Crossroads Church family. This is Mac. And this is Patty. We just wanted to let you know we was thinking about you, and we miss you, and we love you. Hey, Crossroads family. The Abbott family here. I'm Ted. I'm Crystal. And I'm James. Hi. Hey, we're, we're the, the Rogers, Rogers family. family. I'm Anthony. I'm Lindsay. This I, is Colton. I'm Colton. And this is Carson. This is, this is and we're excited for the service today. We're glad you could join us. Crossroads family, it's Selena. And Brian, we're the Larsons. We miss everybody. Hope everybody's staying safe. We love staying connected online, but we can't wait till we can praise and worship together. Hey, Crossroads family, this is Christy. This is Kate. And this is Jeremy. We miss you guys so much, and we cannot wait to get back to church with all of you. Yes. Love you all. Love yes. everybody. We love you all. Hello, everyone. We're the Davises. I'm Julius. And I'm Petra. We're part of the Crossroads. We love our Crossroads Church, and we love our Crossroads family. And we look forward to the time that we all can meet again together at the Crossroad. Hug and shake hands. In Jesus' name. Hello, everybody. This is Mike and Donna Bond. We just wanted to say hi to y'all. Hope y'all doing well. Hey guys, glad you made it to church on time. We are the Larsons and my name is Mike Nathan. And my name is Zach. We miss going to church and seeing our church family. However, we like staying connected online. But always remember to stay positive, connected, and healthy. Hello from the elders. Good to have this opportunity to say hello to you. We miss everybody and we're praying for the whole church and uh, just waiting for the day we can get back together. Love everybody. Hello church people. And I miss you and I love you. Please have some church. Hi, I'm Carol Larson, grandma of the Larson family, and I'm happy to be here. Wish I could be with all of you in person. Miss hearing from you and getting those wonderful hugs in the morning. Hello, church family from the Brickbills. Hi. <laughs> love and miss you all. Looking forward to making up for all the missed hugs. God bless you. Bye. Bye. See you guys. Bye. Have a good one. Hello, Pastor and Sister Dummett and the Saints at the Crossroads Church. We just want to say a great big hello. We miss you and we hope you are doing well. We love you. I we love appreciate you. you. Thank you for all your prayers. Thank you so much. We appreciate each and every one of you and you're often on our minds. Thank you for your prayers and we love you from the Moreno family. I love you. Hi, Crossroads family. I love you guys. I hope you're all doing well. And I look forward to seeing you all again to worship God with you. Love you. God bless you. Hello, Hello everybody. everybody. This is Jasmine. Sister Kathy. Ashton. Julia. We love you guys. We miss you. And we look forward to getting together with you again soon. Thanks for staying connected with us. Until we get back. Let's, Let's have church in our homes. Hi, church family of the Hedges. We love and miss all of you so much. And we hope you all get to reconnect soon. Bye-bye. <laughs> Praise the Lord, Crossroads Pentecostal Church. Que Dios los bendiga, hermanos. Es una bendición saludarlos. 
We give honor today to each and every one of you and to your pastors, brother and sister Demet and their great family. Amen. We are the Campbells on a mission with our new addition to Costa Rica, Luke, Samantha, and baby Asher. He just turned a year old this past week, and we give God glory and honor for what He has done and what in this great gift that He's given us. Amen. Amen. And so today we want to encourage you to lift your hands, to worship, to be encouraged today in song and in word. Dance today, sing today, lift your voice in victory, because we serve a God that is in control. So rest assured, my brothers and my sisters, that our God is in control today. Lift your hands, lift your voice. Shout unto God today because we have the victory. Amen. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let's have some church. Amen. It's church time. Jesus 
Well, praise the Lord, everyone. It's good to be here with you tonight on Wednesday night, worshiping the Lord. He is here in this place, and we felt him already as we have been worshiping God. And I'm thankful that even though we are not physically in the same place, we can still feel the same presence of God. And so if you're here tonight online joining with us for the first time, I want to welcome you. And we're thrilled that you decided to trust us with your time this evening. And here at the Crossroads, it's a place where everyone is welcome. It is a crossroads of many different versions, crossroads of society, crossroads where God intersects with man. And tonight, God is here tonight to intersect you with your personal life. And I'd like to give thanks to Pastor Dummett and the leadership team at Crossroads UPC for placing trust in me and opening up this pulpit for me to bring you the word of God tonight. I also want to say a big hello to my wife and my family back in New Brunswick, Canada. She attends the Capital Community Church, and I've been greatly missing her and our, our five children, Sherea, Josiah, and Benita, and Isaiah, and Isaiah and Ryan. And I want to give a shout out to my pastor, Raymond Woodward. He is at home in Fredericton, but we enjoyed hearing from him last week during our cyber revival. My heart was touched and challenged to continue on. So we're going to continue on with the Bible study series that have been started already. Um, tonight's Bible study is entitled Standing Firm. And the series is called Stand Firm and Love Well. And in this series of Wednesday night Bible studies, we're talking about how we can be more like Jesus Christ in the current culture that we are living in. If you have your Bibles with you tonight, we're going to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 16, and we're going to be reading from verses 13 and 14. Again, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 13 and 14, the Bible says, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith. Be courageous, be strong. And then verse 14 says, do everything in love. And so I want to focus your attention upon the first two words that are in the second portion of verse 13. It says, be on your guard, and then it says, stand firm. And then at the very end of verse 14, it says, do everything in love. And so tonight, with the help of the Lord, I, I want to minister on the simple subject of standing firm. So if you would tonight, just go with me on a journey through the scripture where we're going to dive into the text of scripture and do some study into biblical examples of just what it means to be standing firm while still doing everything in love. Now, it is a delicate balance for us to stand firm in our convictions while also still being filled with the love of God. But there has never been a day like today where the world needs the church to stand firm in teaching, in doctrine, in articles of faith, in God-given convictions. And at the same time, the world needs to see, hear, and feel the same Stance tempered by the unmistakable love of God. Whenever we turn to scripture, it's vitally important to be true to the text that we're reading. And tonight we're going to try to do that. 
And I remember back during my earlier years at Indiana Bible College, I remember, remember one of my instructors, Brother Tom O'Daniel, and he was teaching us about proper interpretation of Scripture. That's when he introduced the word that I later used extensively at Liberty University. That word is called exegesis. So that is what we're going to do tonight. We're going to exegete the scripture. And you may ask, what exactly is that? Well, exegeting the scriptures is the process of careful, analytical study of a biblical text in order to produce a useful interpretation of the text. And so in this text tonight that we're reading from, there's two, two sections that I want to draw your attention to. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 13 through 14. It says, be on your guard and stand firm. And then the last word that we talked about earlier was the word love. Now, when you break the verse down into their component parts, you must search for the deeper meaning. And the apostle Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, and at the end of his letter, he provides concluding exhortations. So that's where we're at tonight in this scripture. The Apostle Paul is talking to the church there at Corinth. So when we talk back about this time period where the Apostle Paul is writing to this church that he started, it's important for us to step back from all the ins and the outs of the issues in the letter of 1 Corinthians. We can see that the Apostle Paul had been urging something simple to the Corinthians. A lot of what he says can be summed up in the word love. One of the letter's high points in chapter 12 and 13, the Apostle Paul describes this love at length. In fact, that love is profoundly evidenced by the fact that it's still read at many of the funerals today. And it's also read about at many weddings. Love is patient. Love is kind. And the love that we're talking about tonight is an enduring love. And as Christians, it's important for us to love well. But it's also important for us to balance that love with standing firm upon the principles that God has given to us as a church. It is no mistake that the Apostle Paul brings back the concept of love at the end of the chapter of 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 14. He says, do everything in love. And the important thing to remember is that this concept of love, concept of love was mentioned after the previous verse in which he told the church, be on your guard, stand firm. And so we have to, once again, focus upon that balance. In our world today, just as the Apostle Paul called to the church at Corinth, God is calling upon his church today to stand firm. This is not a day of compromise, church. This is not a day for us to soften the message. This is not a day for us to look for an easier way. It's not a day to question the, the long-held words of truth of God's word. It's not a day to challenge spiritual authority. It's not a day to become lukewarm in your relationship with God. Today, the church must stand firm. We must stand firm upon the apostles' doctrine. We must stand firm on the message of salvation. We must stand firm upon baptism in Jesus' name. We must stand firm on the essentiality of the Holy Ghost evidenced by speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. 
We must stand firm behind the men of God. Church, in all that we're doing today, we must stand firm. And so tonight, in the midst of all of our efforts to love the world that we are living in, it's important for us to remain firm in our truth in the word of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13. If you look at the individual parts of the verse, you can break it down. And in fact, I think it's important for us when we're studying scriptures to look for the very greatest point that God is trying to get across to us in the scripture. But if you look in verse 13, the first words are saying, be on your guard. And then there's a new thought. It says, stand firm. And then it tells us how we need to stand firm. It says, stand firm in the faith. And so whenever you see something that is modifying words that are previously mentioned, it gives us further direction of how we're going to do that. So the Bible says through the words of the Apostle Paul to the church at Corinth, stand firm. But then he tells us what to stand firm in. He says, stand firm in the faith. And then he goes on further to tell us to be courageous, to be strong, and then lastly, do everything in love. But the way this verse is, is diagrammed in front of us is important because we see that the important factors are brought out in bold print. Standing firm in love are the two things that I want to draw your attention to tonight. So first of all, standing firm, it comes, these two English words of stand firm are transliterated from the Greek word stako. Won't you say that tonight with me? Stako. So the word, the Greek word stako, it means to stand firm, to persevere, and to keep on standing. And in order for us to gain a proper understanding of the biblical meaning of the word, you have to look at the other times that the same word was used. In this case, the Greek word stako is found six other times in the New Testament. In the book of Philippians, we find first, the first chapter, verse number 27, the Bible says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or I only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. So here again, the apostle Paul is writing to the church at Philippi and he uses the same word, stako. He tells the church, I know that you stand firm in one spirit. And so we gain further insight into this second use of the word stako or stand firm. And there's another principle about study of scripture. It's called the principle of first mention. And it's interesting tonight, the scripture that we just read from 1 Corinthians, it came the first of all of these that I'm going to mention tonight. But this second one, Philippians chapter 1, 27, is followed by in Philippians 4, verse 1. It says, therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. So again, here the Apostle Paul is challenging the church to stand firm. This highlights the importance of this. Whenever you see a word or a concept in Scripture repeated, then you know that there is, is, there is some important, importance assigned to it. 
And so we find that the Apostle Paul doesn't stop there. He goes on to the church at Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 3, verse 8. And he says, for now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. It's really neat to me how this scripture is written because he says, for now we really live since you're standing firm in the Lord. If you really want to know what it's like to live for God, then standing firm in what he's already taught you to be is really where it's at. That's where you find true contentment in your walk with God. And so the Apostle Paul continues on to the church in fact, of Thessalonica in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 15. It says, so then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold fast to the teachings we passed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. So here in each of these examples, the Apostle Paul in his writings to the church at Philippi and to the church of First Thessalonians, excuse me, the church at Thessalonica in First and Second Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul highlights the importance of standing firm. And so in his day, if it was important to stand firm in the truth that had been delivered to him, even the much more as time has passed today, Thousands of years have passed on by since the gospel was first delivered to the saints, but it's been passed down from generation to generation. And tonight we have received the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in the midst of the world that we stand in tonight, in the midst of this pandemic, there's been never a greater hour when the church needs to stand firm. The church needs to stand strong in the midst of this world that is compromising, in the midst of a world where nothing seems to be standing firm. Everything is changing. People are compromising. The people that we once held in high regard are changing their beliefs. But today the church needs to stand strong and be firm in its belief. But I would say to you tonight that the balance of that belief of standing firm in God is found in that second portion of Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 14. The Apostle Paul said, do everything in love. This English word love is transliterated from the one Greek word agape. Agape is one of the most famous versions of the word Love found in the Greek language. So what does it mean? Agape love is selfless. It's sacrificial. It's unconditional love. It's the height of the four types of love in the, in the Bible. This Greek word agape and variations of it are frequently found throughout the New Testament. Agape love perfectly describes the kind of love that Jesus Christ has for his church today and also for those that would come to know Christ in the coming days, his love is extended onward. And so we find in Strong's Concordance, Strong's number G26, it matches the Greek word agape, and occurs 116 times in 106 verses in the Greek Concordance of the King James Version. And so these 106 times, that's a lot of emphasis being placed upon the word love. And so while standing firm is important, the volume of times mentioned in the New Testament underscore that everything that we must do is to be founded in the foundation of love. Let everything be done in love, the Apostle Paul says. 
And so I'll say to you tonight, yes, we're standing firm in our walk with God. Yes, we're holding fast to the apostles in the the doctrines that have been given to us from years gone by. But today we're undergirding it all by a strong feeling of the love of God. It's the love of Christ that ought to constrain us today. The New Testament is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. And the concept of standing firm is also exemplified by many God-fearing men and women in the Old Testament. This foundation of love, this foundation of standing firm is summed up in the life, in the example of Daniel. You see, in the book of Daniel, chapter number three, in verses one through seven, we find an example of a man, a young man, They had courage to stand. He had courage to stand in the midst of those who were not willing to stand. And the Bible tells us in Daniel chapter 3 verses 1 through 7. If you want to turn there with me in your Bibles. It says King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 60 cubits high and 6 cubits wide. And set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the advisors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the other provincial officers to come to the dedication of the image that he had set up. So the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the advisors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the other provincial officials, they assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before it, and then the herald loudly proclaimed, Nations and peoples of every language, this is what you're commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down, notice that, Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, harp, and all kinds of music, all nations and peoples of every language fell down and worshiped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. That was Daniel's setting. And so today... In our setting, we look back at the example of Daniel. So this scripture that we've just read in Daniel chapter 3, this was Daniel's setting. In verses 1 through 7, this gives the background, but the verses that are important for us to remember is the portion where Daniel is writing to us and he tells us, whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into the blazing furnace. That was the situation that Daniel lived in. He knew that he was writing about three Hebrew children. He was writing about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who were faced with the challenge by the king Nebuchadnezzar. The king invited everyone to a party. But I would say to you today, in our setting, it's a little bit different. There is a different kind of party being going on in our world today. It's an economy where cash is king. The economy in March 
in February was going amazingly in 2020. The stock market was up. Everyone was celebrating. And the voice was crying out, let's bow down and worship at the feet of materialism. You really don't need to spend all of your time going to church. You really don't need to give yourself in paying of your tithes. You really don't need to spend all of that time in church. You can take an overtime shift on Sunday instead of being with your family in church. Everyone is succeeding. Why don't you join in with us? You see, that is the setting of our day. That's the sound of the music that's going on around us today. But in the midst of all that the three Hebrew children faced, there was a desire to stand firm for what they knew and had believed in. You see, a man who will serve God will clash with the world. A woman who will decide to serve God will clash with the society around them. Nebuchadnezzar was but a specimen of the world. And the world will insist upon some form of idolatry of everyone and will threaten the fierce furnace for disobedience. The world hates God and will not recognize his demands. Political, commercial, and social customs will bring a tyrannical pressure upon the soul. And the Christian in the name of God, will have to resist. The fiery furnace has many different forms. And today I would suggest to you, in our world today, the heat is turning up. The heat of the furnace is being heated up and the challenge is going out to the Christians. Will you stand firm for God or will you bow down to the peer pressure of the world around you? The more resolute that the voice calls out, the more wrath the world has in the hotter it will make the fire. Then it's the opportunity for the Christian to stand up and to triumph in this faith and to taste the glory of this position that God has placed us in. Daniel chapter number three, verse number 16 shows us how that we as the church need to stand firm and take courage because standing firm truly does take courage in our day. Daniel chapter 3, verse 16 says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they replied to the king and they said, O Nebuchadnezzar, we're not worried about what will happen to us. You see, when you walk daily with the heavenly king of kings, you won't give a thought to bow down to an earthly king. I'll say that again. When you walk daily in devotion, in time and prayer with the heavenly king of kings, you won't take a second thought to bow down to the earthly king when they come against you. Because the Bible goes on and it shows us the example of these three Hebrew children standing firm. Not only takes courage, but it also takes faith. So if you're following along in your notes tonight, you'll notice that you can fill in that blank. Standing firm takes faith. Daniel chapter 13, verse 17 and 18, it says... If we are thrown into the flaming furnace, our God is able. Turn to your neighbor tonight and say, God is able. Turn to your family members and say, God is able. You see, sitting there on the couch next to you or maybe across the room from you is another brother and sister in the body of Christ. You see, God is able. God is able today. And in that day that they were living in, he said, our God is able to deliver us and he will deliver us out of your hand, your majesty. But if he doesn't, please understand, sir, that even then 
We will never under any circumstance serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you've created or you have erected. And so today, standing firm does take faith. And I challenge you tonight to stand firm in the faith that God has given you because we are not standing in this fight alone. God has promised to go with us. And when we stand firm, another point in your notes to fill out is standing firm inspires others. As you go on and read further in Daniel chapter number 8, verse number 28, we find that there were many that observed the three Hebrew children, yes, they stern, stood firm for Jesus Christ. Yes, they stood firm for what they believed in. They were not willing to compromise for a king. They were not willing to compromise for anybody else in the day that they were living in. Yes, they were offered the king's meat, but they turned it aside and they chose to focus upon what they knew to be true. They chose to live for God instead of living for the enemy and living for Satan and listening to the voice of Nebuchadnezzar. And so today the voice of Satan is still calling out to the church today. He's trying to get us to be lulled to sleep by the sound of different kind of music. Yes, the music is still heating up in our world today, just as they sounded the sound of the harps, the sound of the lyre, the sackbut. All of those different types of music were sounded, but the three Hebrew children still decided to stand strong. But the consequences of their standing strong were dire. They had to hold on to their faith even to the point when they were thrown into the fiery furnace. So I would say to you today, even when it looks like the enemy may have won this round, hold on because God is going to meet you there in the midst of your trial. God is going to meet you there in that time of trial, in that time of testing. And so that is exactly what happened. God met them there in the fiery furnace and only, the only thing that happened there was the very bands and the ropes that were holding on to them, they were burned off. And they stood walking around in the fire. In Daniel chapter 28, excuse me, Daniel chapter 3 verse 28 says, Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servant. They trusted in him and defiled the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the house, the, the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into, into, their, into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble for no God can save in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. So today, this is an example where standing firm inspires others. So just back up a little bit. Standing firm takes courage. The three Hebrew children, they were courageous. Standing faith takes, standing firm takes faith and standing firm inspires others. And so in our lives today, just what does it mean to stand firm for God? The Bible shows us in Ephesians chapter number six, verse 11, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. 
Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13 and 14, it says, Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the evil day comes, you can be able to stand your ground. And after having done all to stand, stand firm then. So you need to stand in prayer. When we're living in a stand-up, living a stand-up life in a bow-down world, we need to do that by living in prayer. Standing up in our time of prayer. So I encourage you tonight, your prayer time is important. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the devil's schemes. And you do that through your time in prayer. So another way to live a stand-up life in a bow-down world is to stand for your purpose 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58 says, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of God, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So stand for your purpose. It's not in vain. When you stand for God, people will take notice. So today, church, let's stand for God with all that we have. And I go on through the scriptures and find another portion in Matthew chapter 10, verse 32. It says, stand up for me against the world, against the world's opinion, and I will stand up for you before my Father in heaven. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, it says, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Acts chapter 7, verse 55, it shows where Stephen was full of the Holy Spirit and he looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God. And Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I have seen open and I've seen heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. So today, when you stand firm, Jesus will stand with you. I'm here to tell you that heaven is your promise. The earth is not our home. But you may be listening to what I have to say tonight and thinking about standing firm and doing it in love and loving well. And these concepts may be all well and good. But I'd like to introduce another subject tonight, another concept. And that is the fact that many times we hear the voice of what we should be doing, but yet we can't get out of our own way to listen and obey. Sometimes we find ourselves in a rut. How do you know you're in a rut? Well, I'll tell you what, there was some time ago, actually back in 2018, my son and I were out four-wheeling in New Brunswick, Canada, and it was in the springtime of the year and the snow was beginning to melt, but yet there was some frozen ice underneath that snow. And as the snow began to melt along the trail, there was ruts beginning to form where this melted snow would run down into the path that had been traveled by previous four-wheelers traveling by. And so the path in the rut became deeper and deeper and you had to be careful about when you were driving along and stay out of the ruts because the ruts would take you places where you didn't want to go. And so I remember as I was driving down this trail, my son Isaiah was in front of me and he was driving this Honda four-wheeler and he was moving along at a pretty good clip. And there I was behind him on the Suzuki. It was a larger four-wheeler, but he was ahead of me and he was having fun. 
And as he was going along the rut, began to make a turn to the right. And he tried and tried as he might to turn the wheel of the four-wheeler against the path of the rut. But the rut took him into the path of the tree. And he was thrown from the four-wheeler. And my heart just began to beat quickly behind him as I was standing behind on the four-wheeler. And I drove up to him and I said, how are you doing, son? Are you okay? And he got himself up off the ground and wiped the, the snow off of him and the water that had seeped into his clothes. And he was soaking wet. But he was laughing. He says, yes, I'm fine. And I said to him, why didn't you just slow down? He said, I was just having too much fun. I thought that I could pull it out of the rut myself, he said. And so I would say to you tonight, I've thought about that example many times. I've thought about how in the years past since that incident, many times we find ourselves in a rut. And I've found myself in a rut as well as I've been doing my best to live for God and so I want to tell you tonight that there are some ways that you can know whether or not you're in a rut. You see, I'll ask you this question. What does a Christian in a rut look like? You see, people who are in a rut, they crave acceptance from people rather than from God. They do just enough in church to alleviate their guilt. They gauge their spirituality by comparing themselves to others. People in a rut, they rarely witness about the Lord to others. And they only give when it doesn't hurt their standing of living. They want the benefits of serving God, but not the responsibilities. People who are in a rut, they think more about life on earth than about eternity. Are you in a rut today? Does that sound like you tonight? Do you find yourself in a rut? You see, these people who are in a rut, they only turn to God when they're in trouble. They ignore any scriptures that affect their personal lifestyle. They're not very much different than the rest of the world, people that are in a rut. So you may say, you know, that sounds like me. Maybe I am in a rut after all. I've heard it said that a rut is just a grave with both ends knocked out of it. And while it seems to be a little bit dramatic, it's actually quite true. You see, many times when you're in a rut, it seems like nothing that you try can change the direction that you're traveling. And you've heard me talk tonight about standing firm and loving well, but yet you're in a rut and you're helpless to change the course of your actions. But we will try with all of our might to get out of this rut in our own ability. We keep telling ourselves, I can do this. I don't want to undergo the shame of someone else helping me and knowing about my business. I just might have to admit the depths of my mistakes if I ask someone for help. So is that you tonight? Do you find yourself in a place spiritually where you never intended to get? You see, sometimes when we're driving along the road and the highway, we get into a rut as well. It may not be as dramatic. The pavement may be just worn down a little bit by the tractor trailers and the trucks that have traveled before us. People that have gone before us have worn down the path. And it's easy to stay in the path that somebody else that has gone before you in. 
But I'd like to ask you the question, has there ever been a time in your life when you prayed more than you do today? You just might be in a rut. Has there ever been a time in your life when you read your Bible more consistently than you have this week? Well, you just might be in a rut. Has there ever been a time in your life when you gave of your finances more sacrificially than you do today? Well, you just might be in a rut. Has there ever been a time in your life when you heard the voice of God speak to you more than you do today? My friend, you just might be in a rut. Has there ever been a moment in your life when you knew without a shadow of a doubt exactly where God wanted you, but yet you weren't walking where he wanted you to walk? And so tonight, if you can say yes to any of those questions that I've asked you, you just might be in a rut. I really feel that we do need to stand firm in our walk with God. In the midst of the world that we are living in, church, there's never been a time when the church needs to stand firm and love well. But I caution you tonight, in the midst of desiring to stand firm and love well, sometimes we find ourselves beyond our own ability. We're caught up in a rut and we're taken out of the place where we can't even stand firm. We can't even love well because we're drawn away beyond our own ability. The rut is deeper than what we can handle. You see, the thing about a rut is once you get in the rut, you can try all that you want and you're not going to get out of the rut because it's deeper than what you are able to get yourself out of. I know you may have tried before and somehow you were able to maybe change your course of direction or maybe somebody came along and helped you to get out of the situation you were in. I'm here to tell you that you need your brother and your sister tonight. You need your heavenly father, but he's placed brothers and sisters in the church to help you. And I would encourage you today, if you found yourself lacking in prayer, if you found yourself lacking in your time in the word of God, allow yourself to say yes to a brother or a sister who's sending an invite to you on the Bible app. The YouVersion Bible app is something that we're all participating in in the church this month. We're reading the Bible through and I would encourage you to think about your brother and sister. Maybe when you are traveling through life, you've seen somebody else in front of you that's gone from the path that they should go and the heart of God is crying out into your ears tonight and he's saying to you, reach out to my brother, reach out to my sister, they're caught in a rut. And so God is calling to us tonight to not only stand firm and love well, but a product of that standing firm and loving well will be to reach out to our brothers and sisters who are lost in our world today. You need somebody to come along beside you and to pick you up out of that rut and help you get on the right path. You see, getting back to that original story of my son, if he had stopped where he was in that rut, I would have been right along behind him. And I had a bigger four-wheeler. I had straps in the back, the ability to lift up the four-wheeler and pull it back onto the path where it belonged. You see, Dad was behind him. And our Heavenly Father is right behind us. He's watching us every step that we take. 
And so as I come to a close tonight, I'd like for us to go to God in prayer and ask God to help us. Help us to stand firm in what we've already been taught. Help us to love well. But having done all that we can to stand, help us even though sometimes we get into a rut and we can't get out. God will help us. God's here to help you tonight. And your brothers and sisters are here to help you as well. Let's pray. Jesus, we come to you tonight. You are our Heavenly Father. Your word gives us the example how that you taught us to pray, our Father who art in heaven. And we reach out to you because we lack in strength. We lack in our own ability. God, I need you tonight. I need you because my prayer life is not the way that it should be. I need you because I've not been reading your word as much as I should. I need you, God, because my brothers and sisters have reached out to me, but I've not allowed them to help me and pick me up. Maybe that is the sound of your voice tonight reaching out to God. And God, the voice of the people that are hearing me is crying out to you as well. And I pray that you would help us to stand firm and to love well. And having done all to stand, help us to hold on and keep on standing in your word. And so tonight, we thank you for your love. And in the midst of this crisis that we are facing as a church, I pray that you would help us to come together as brothers and sisters in Christ and to lift one another up and to help us out of the rut that we're facing. Help us to love more. Help us to pray more. Help us to read your word more. Help us to see more souls prayed through to the Holy Ghost. Help us to see a greater revival in this last day than we've ever seen. Help us to have greater faith, I pray today. Help us to believe in the blind eyes being opened. Help us to believe in the sick being healed. We pray these things today for we know that you're able. And we ask it today in Jesus' name. Amen.